0: Welcome to Bear Talk, a podcast featuring conversations about faith, culture, and public affairs. I'm your host, David Bear, professor of theology at Texas Lutheran University. This is the very first episode of Bear Talk, the maiden voyage, so to speak. And so what I'm going to do for this first episode is share a conversation I had a few months ago with some friends about Rod Dreher's most recent book, Live Not by Lies, a Manual for Christian Dissidents. Now, Dreher's book, if you haven't read it, is about Christians who lived under communism in Eastern Europe. And Dreher thinks that uh, American Christians can draw lessons from the experience of East European Christians for how to live in America today as a Christian. So for those of you who don't know me, I actually have some experience in Eastern Europe, particularly with Hungary. I lived there for, in Hungary for a number of years. I even wrote a book about the Hungarian Lutheran Church under Communism, so I know a little bit about Eastern Europe and the experience of Christians under Communism. And so I decided to assemble a a panel of friends and experts, uh, people who also know about Eastern Europe uh, and the experience of Christians in Eastern Europe, to discuss uh, Dreher's book. This conversation was originally posted on YouTube, but what I'm going to do is share the audio of that youtube conversation on this initial podcast of bear talk to help kick things off and uh, i hope you find the conversation interesting hello i'd like to welcome whoever's watching this uh to a, a round table discussion of raj Dreher's most recent book live not by lies a manual for christian dissidents And uh, to discuss this, I've assembled this uh, uh, panel of, uh, prestigious panel of people who have a connection to Hungary. Either Hungarian know about Hungary. So everyone in this group is uh, Hungarian. Uh, Of course, Dreyer's book is about resistance uh, by Christians to communism in Eastern Europe. And then he draws some parallels with America today. So I said, it's useful to um, discuss this with people who know about Christians in Eastern Europe. So I'm going to do like a, a very quick introduction. Uh, so I'm David Baer. I teach theology at Texas Lutheran University. I actually, I've written a couple books about Hungary, one on the Lutheran Church under communism, and then some critical books about, or critical essays about uh, the Orban government's uh, handling of religious freedom. Uh, so that that's my background. Let me just I'll ask maybe Alex
1: Paludi to introduce himself quickly. I- Hello, yes. Uh, So I'm Alex Folady. I'm an Anglican priest. They're presently working as a journalist in Budapest. I'm half Hungarian Um, and uh, my grandparents were um, part of the anti-communist resistance in the 1950s. They were both very courageous uh, social democrat um, anti-communist journalists uh, who had to run in 56. Um, And by academic
2: background, I'm a church historian. And then we have Joseph Novak, Joseph. Yes, my name is Joseph Novak. I am an all around Hungarian. Uh, Was born and grew up in Hungary, Uh, left Hungary when I was 22 years old in 1982. I applied for political asylum uh, in the United States upon arriving here and uh, I was granted. Uh, My uh, educational background is uh, mainly in theology and philosophy. I studied in Budapest, at the Hungarian Baptist Theological Seminary, and in Portland, in the Baptist uh, Theological Seminary. I am, I am a Baptist minister, uh, working with an ethnic Hungarian church in the Los Angeles area. Uh, this is my 30, 32nd year with this church, so I'm, I'm getting ready for retirement.
0: Okay, well, and you have your services are online on, on on YouTube. I've been watching it, so all the Hungarian services there in, in uh, California.
2: We are honored to have very you. good sermons.
0: So, thank you. Um, well, all right, so that as you can see, this group here, these are people with experience of uh, uh, life, uh, direct experience in Joseph's case of uh. What it was like to be a Christian in commun- under communism in Eastern Europe. So, like, let me just so quickly, Alex, you're you might just say a little bit more about your grandfather because he's actually a kind of a famous person uh, in in Hungary. Yes,
1: um, uh, so he um, was uh, a, a major Hungarian 20th century poet, as well as journalist and literary editor, um, and uh, his memoir, My Happy Days in Hell, is the um, archetypical description of uh, life in the Stalinist period in Hungary, uh, and in particular of the Hungarian Gulag, um, of uh, the Raczk prison camp in Eastern Hungary, which he was amongst the first prisoners uh, to be sent to and to help uh, build um, the place that would be their, uh, their prison for the next uh, few years. Um, he was actually, he and my grandmother were both Jewish, um, though interestingly, they had my father baptised in secret as a Roman Catholic in 1955 um, in their flat with the priest coming in lay clothes and everything that was needed for the service in a musical instrument case. Because if you were, even if you were an atheist Jew, um, if you were an opponent of the government in the mid-1950s, having your child baptised as a Roman Catholic was a very significant act of political defiance. Um, So there's a a funny way in which this sort of intersects very personally uh, with, with my family's story. Mm-hmm.
0: And Joseph, I don't, maybe you could say, I mean, it's a little interesting, so you left, tell us, can you say a little bit about, um, you know, how you left, did you say, in 1982, or how you decided to leave, or what, what it was that, that, you know, led to this uh, immigration yeah. to the
2: United States? Yeah, but uh, Alex, I just read your father's uh, poem uh, yest- yesterday uh, oh. on the anniversary of the revolution, he wrote about 1956. Uh, as, as I said, I, I grew up in Hungary. Uh, in a Baptist uh, family uh, on the countryside. Uh, my, my whole family uh, was coal miner, the man in the family, and I grew up in a small village uh, populated by coal miners uh, on the southern border of Hungary. I was the only one f- from my immediate family who was still in Hungary. Uh, my, my father, my mom, and my siblings came to the United States before I came. The reason I stayed stayed back because... Uh, uh, I was a seminary student, and I I felt that uh, God called me to minister uh, uh, in in Hungary. Uh, in the mean, meantime, I got married. My wife spoke a uh, v- very good English, and uh, uh, I, I was living in Budapest, and and uh, we met uh, missionaries from the United States quite often, and we did some things with them, like like organizing a tour for a for a. A uh, basketball team uh, called the athletes in action. Uh, that was was a no no back then. And uh, the worst thing that I did, in the opinion of of my elders in the in the Baptist Church, was that I did not let them know that uh, a missionary from Austria, he was an American uh, young, young man, was staying with us for several months. And on the way back to Austria, he was asked at the border where did he stay, and he told us that. Uh, he told he told the authorities that he stayed with us. So I received a call from the head of the church that uh, that uh, I have one more uh, act like this and then they will kick me out. And, and this missionary was telling me that I since my parents are in the U.S. I should I should try to come out and and uh, continue my education here. Um, so I, I knowing knowing the system from the inside, I thought that uh, it would be a wise wise decision for me to try to use this opportunity to join my family and and come to the United States and maybe later to go back to to Western Europe. That was my original plan. Back back at that time, they were uh, starting a seminary in in Amsterdam for uh, Eastern European students and I was planning to teach there. But this church invited me when I was doing my last semester and uh, I stuck here and I'm happy about it. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I I just use political asylum. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So let's okay.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the book then. Um, I mean, I guess first of all, maybe we just lay out what what you guys think, what, what each of us maybe thinks is the main argument. So I I get that the central argument of the book is 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 that the United States is entering a period of uh, soft totalitarianism, which is rather similar or similar and important ways to what existed in Eastern Europe under communism. And therefore, uh, Christians in the United States should look to the example of Christians in Eastern Europe uh, uh, so they can think about, Christians in America can think about how to resist this soft totalitarianism that's, that's taking over America or so, something like that. That's that's how I read it. I don't know, did you guys have any other, any thoughts about the, the main argument of the book? Uh,
1: I, I think, Broadly, that um, that works uh, as, as 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 the pith of the thing. Um, uh, uh, the uh, crucial argument I, I, I thought that Joe was making as a sort of nuancing distinction was that the the softer totalitarianism um, was um, uh, uh, insidious. So, in that it it, 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 this it, um, it was. Uh, um, about uh, a kind of seductive um force field that uh, uh, uh people uh, uh, unwittingly to a large extent uh, allow themselves to be penetrated by um uh, uh, and that's sort of how he he distinguishes it from um uh, uh, from uh, from central europe um but, but yeah I, I'd, I'd say that works as the kind of the nub of it yeah
2: what do you think joseph you, know, uh, you are right, I believe so that that was his uh, original intention. I, I don't agree with it uh, but but um, this is what he's trying to show us that there is an obvious parallel between the situation in uh, uh, um, communist countries in the East, in Eastern Europe and what we are experiencing here in the. US. So, yeah, so tell us what is it that you don't agree with? Um, uh,
1: go ahead uh, uh, joseph, well, joseph. no i, I was just to joseph because he actually lived uh, under communism and i didn't so.
2: yeah yeah Well um i i think that he is he is a he's a cultural warrior uh he's he's um, working along, along the line of uh dr legutko from uh poland uh with the exception that legutko she's uh, sees, uh an, uh, national identities and the power behind them as the right kind of force against totalitarianism that shows up even in democratic societies and and uh, Mr. Davies sees uh, the church as an o- opposing force uh, growing up in growing up in Hungary i i did not sense these kind of tensions that that he's writing about it was so natural for us i, I that was in the air so so it was natural for us to 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 live with those circumstances and and i don't believe that we we ever had to compromise our faith he's talking about uh uh lying uh, as something required of those who want to live under totalitarianism i i deeply disagree with it mm-hmm. um and i experienced something totally different here in the states uh the 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 state of the church is, is is different also in those in these two societies. Okay, what do you think, Alex,
1: of the of the uh, the parallel? Um, so there were things that I did very much like about the book. I thought it was written in a, a incredibly uh, lively, engaging style. Some of the stories that were told by dissidents were very moving. Um, uh, uh, uh um I, I think he's he's right in identifying a certain convergence between um uh, 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 uh virtue signaling surveillance capitalism and uh, the the sillier bits of the uh, ultra woke left um uh, and their marxist underpinnings but um i think there are really serious problems with the book uh what joseph has just said um picks on, out one of them which is that there is um a, 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 a a, a very poor engagement with history. Um, uh, He's unable to grasp the differentials in the church-state relationship um, at different times and in different parts of the Eastern Bloc. Um, And kind of everything he's read through the filter, uh, fundamentally, of of 1917. Um, And he's unable to see how things changed and developed Um, And in particular, somewhere like um, Hungary, um, where certainly from 1972, um, and and, and in the case of the Protestant churches, uh, uh, um, possibly a bit earlier, um, there was a very different settlement between uh, the communist government and and, and the churches. Now, that that settlement was not without moral problems um, in any sense, but it wasn't what Dreher's talking about. Um, It wasn't... um, uh, 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 at least in Hungary, um, that that kind of very heavy-handed oppression, which is the, the premise of the book, um, that was you know that was more a feature of say the ni- you know, ni- late 1940s or 1950s. So now this is interesting
0: because my uh, so what my thought one of my thoughts about the what he was saying was I thought he had a very romantic uh, vision of what it was like to be a Christian in um, in, in under communism that these very noble people who were uh you know standing up for the truth to, despite whatever and he you know, he has a couple examples uh i mean the hungarian examples like well, maybe aren't as good as he thinks but i mean so the, he's got a romantic idea And my experience or my you know uh, of hungary of studying the churches in hungary is that it really isn't such a noble history of um of grand resistance of people who don't care and, and live in the truth. I mean, there were, it were people were, it was, it wasn't so easy and people were compromised and the story of the church, the and you know, the church leadership and so forth is actually not, uh, not a story of of great resistance. So I, I, you know, it's kind of a pretty mixed bag or even kind of a sad uh, story. Uh, so it's interesting to me, Joseph, when you said that you didn't, you didn't feel that, um, you know, as a Christian in Hungary, you had to, you had to compromise, or I don't remember how you said it, lie, you know, you don't have to, you never were forced to sort of deny your faith. And, um, uh, because if I I would think when I, at least when I think about the church leadership uh, in Hungary, I mean, there was a lot of uh, basically collaboration going on. So I don't know, how would you respond to this thought of mine?
2: Uh, uh... The, the sentence I referred to uh, in particular was, is on page 14. He says that it is difficult for people raised in the free world to grasp the breadth and the depth of lying required simply to exist under communism. Uh-huh. Uh, no, 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 no. The, the, the examples that he picks are just uh, referring to their historic city, most of them are from the uh, early 50s, uh, late 40s, when there, there were... Uh, uh, changes of regimes uh, 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 posed on those upon those countries by by the Soviets, uh, and that was not a uh, uh, soft uh, totalitarian uh, <laughs> at, at all. Uh, there there were leaders who were co- collaborating with the, with the government, and and they uh, basically uh, did did not live up to our, our Christian principles, but. Uh, uh, when I came to the United States, they always wanted to, me to talk about the underground church. And I really did not understand that whole concept for a good while. What, what on earth can, can an underground church be? Because understanding my Christianity, if, if, if I'm a Christian, I'm not underground. I, I, I am I am open about it, and and we we, we never lived underground. I, I found out that they were talking about house churches. That for example, the Baptists were not uh, allowed to build buildings with steeples. So so uh, our, our gathering places were just like reg- regular homes, and, and we we met as families. But it wasn't never was underground. Um, there might have been uh, leaders who had to do something that was considered illegal, but. Uh, uh, we were very open about our our faith. Everybody knew us, uh-huh. uh, so I don't know if I answered your question. Uh, living there as a Christian was was very 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 natural, and and uh, I still uh, live out that kind of faith in the United States. I don't have any problem here either. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, what did you think of the? Uh, I don't know. So um, another way to that, that's another way to sort of get at. I mean, I, a problem. Another problem I had. Is I just found the, the the concept of totalitarianism that that Dreyer was using is really not. I mean, just really inappropriate. It, it doesn't. Uh, it didn't. I mean, I don't even. It just didn't seem to. Disc- I, I just found it inappropriate. I could go on a little bit about that, but I don't know. Did you? What did you think, Alex? What you of, of this language of totalitarianism?
1: Um, uh, I thought that um uh, uh and he you know he has a a, a point about the intolerance of, of divergent opinion in contemporary academia and certain parts of the um uh, contemporary uh, 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 media and, and 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 cultural sphere um uh, 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 on the other hand societies have have norms that are informal and are imposed by various kinds of social pressure, and those forms are always contested and and shifting. So I, I'm not quite clear. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I have reservations about certain social trends in the present, but I'm not clear that one can define them as totalitarian. Um, I think they may be uncomfortable cultural shift um, uh, uh, that I might critique, but I, I'm not sure I can quite use the term totalitarian
0: yeah, so, I mean, what I would say about this totalitarian argument is that, I mean, so he even he starts, he refers to Hannah Arndt, and, you know, Hannah Arendt wrote this famous book on the origins of totalitarianism. and and her argument was that totalitarianism, and it's a controversial, it's a very provocative and interesting argument, but it's it's still controversial that totalitarianism was a unique form of government uh, that never had that had never existed before, so that it differed from other forms of tyranny or despotism or or whatever because, and Arndt's uh, account, um, it, it, it was like power, political power, but not political power in the pursuit of some sort of objectives, whether it be the wealth of the leader or whatever, or imperial power, it was just sort of power for power's sake. It was kind of an insane uh, constant movement uh, that is sort of in, uh, unstable, irrational, and the effect of it was to sort of eradicate the human. I think she even uses phrases like that. So things like, you know, the death camps are essential to totalitarianism because that's where you sort of destroy all human freedom. Or uh, <clears throat> uh, terror is, you know, terror is essential because it's how you, you, you know, destroy human freedom. A- and uh, ideology, you know, fits into uh, this sort of, this sort of insane political situation. So then, you know, other people didn't buy Arndt's argument. They said totalitarianism is not a unique form of government. It's just a particularly bad form of authoritarianism. Okay. So, I mean, I, we don't have to decide that question, but I mean, if there was the kind of totalitarianism that Arndt was talking about, it was only under Stalin, you know, it was under Stalin, Hitler is that early form of totalitarianism. And later on, it became soft totalitarianism, which is a kind of authoritarian regime that has a lot of control, but it's not a sort of irrational, you know, a super violent system. So that's what Joseph was describing, you know, when he grew up in, in Hungary. So, but but essential to it is the use of political power to sort of destroy, right? And so when when uh, when Dreyer talks about uh, soft totalitarianism, he's just talking about you know, people who are ideologically motivated or they have deep ideological commitments. Well, okay. But I mean, he even says, you know, they, it, they don't have the political power. Well, if you don't have political power, you know, then it's not totalitarian. It doesn't have total control. I mean, I, you can you can criticize it. He can publish uh, criticisms of it. I mean, you can't do that in a totalitarian state. There's just, uh, you know, it's not totalitarian. So it, it's true. Let's see, I even want, I had a quote here. I wanted to, it's hopefully I can dig it up. Yeah, uh, he's got it, it's early on, he says, a totalitarian state is one that aspires to nothing less than defining and controlling reality. So here he defines totalitarianism as a kind of comprehensive worldview. Mm -hmm. Well, if totalitarianism is a comprehensive worldview, then Christianity is totalitarian. (laughs) Anybody who's a philosopher, who has a philosophical worldview, is totalitarian? That, that can't be the definition of totalitarianism. That you have a a view of reality because that would you know anyone with sort of deep commitments is therefore totalitarian. Uh, so it's just kind of a meaningless, in my thought, it's meaningless uh, to describe use the term totalitarianism there. But what it is is a kind of heightened rhetoric uh, that lets you get really really worked up about what he calls the social justice warriors. Mm. Myself. Mm.
1: Um, I, I, that sort of lack of precision um, is, is I think, noticeable in, in quite a number of ways in the book. Um, uh, uh, and, and again, sort of you know, coming coming at this as a as a church historian, um, uh, uh, I, I was very struck by the absence of of, um, reliable secondary sources, uh, uh, either mentioned in text or listed in the bibliography. So absolutely basic works, like, I don't know, Owen Chadwick's um, The Christian Churches and the Cold War, uh, or Trevor Beeson's Discretion and uh, Valour, Religious Conditions in Russian Eastern Europe, not mentioned at all, not engaged with. Um, And he sort of jumps from a reading of Solzhenitsyn um, Mm -hmm into uh, uh, his own first-hand interviews uh, with no sort of objective verification in in terms of rigorous uh, academic research. Um, And if your whole thing, if the whole first part of the book is premised on the idea that um, uh, ideology has trumped uh, objective standards of research in public discourse, this is not a good way of proceeding.
2: Yeah, yeah. He gives voice to people that he he happened to meet and uh, and uh, support his his uh cultural, warrior views uh those mentioned from hungary i personally never heard of them
1: well but i have quite a I, i've heard of maria wintner well, maria uh, wintner you've heard, Whitney, you've heard of her right? uh-huh. Wittner. Maria Wittner, Wittner- oh yeah, so but, uh, uh, the far right. Um, you know,
2: she's, uh, she's, she <laughs> she was not the, she was not a <laughs> Christian
0: warrior. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the only person he. Well, he mentioned some people in Hungary, but he he really quotes this Wittner Maria, uh, a big quote from her. Uh, you know, where she's talking about defending the right to speak and write freely and and so forth. And but we know Wittner Maria is a little bit of a of, um, you know, uh, I don't know how to put it, a little kooky, right? If you know anything about Hungary, in fact, and this is my, you know, my book on, uh, on, uh, you know. go the, and plug it again, Hungary. plug it and again, here's Dave. a quote from, from Vitna Maria who who lives in the truth, according to Uh, uh, Dreher, uh and, you know, she was in the parliament and she's opposing, and this, it's a discussion of whether they were gonna grant legal status to uh, sort of a small Christian group, a spinoff of Calvinism. And this is her argument uh, uh, why we shouldn't, uh, Hungary shouldn't grant uh, legal status to this uh, small Christian denomination. So I'm, this is a quote. It's in my book. He, could, or he didn't actually rely on my books either. But mm-hmm. anyway. So <clears throat> the, <clears throat> she says, There was a time when we were considered pagans, yet we weren't pagans. We believed in one God. This is the Hungarians, okay? Then came the Reformation, the Reformed Church, then the Lutheran. And churches have multiplied. So she's got that wrong, obviously. And churches have multiplied, even though there was only one God. Well, even though I don't believe that this association, that's the church applying for status, even though I don't believe that this association will be able to attract many members in Hungary, I still believe that sects should not be considered churches. I don't know for what purpose or whether it is to teach worldwide uh, hegemony and uh, conquer, sorry, teach worldwide hegemony. But I see that the tendency today, even in religion, is to divide and conquer. We have Christianity here. We have a Catholic church, which is more than 2,000 years old and has existed in Hungary for 1,000 years. And we have a reformed church as a result of the Reformation. But what I was most struck by is that 187 churches have been registered in the country since 1990. Gentlemen, there is only one God, one God.
2: <laughs>
0: That's the truth that you know Maria uh, Maria Wittman lives in, you know, but of course he didn't, you know, whatever. I just, you know, you know
1: going on about her. The um, I we thought about Joe's experience um in, in Hungary in the 70s and 80s. Now, of course, there were parts of Eastern Europe which, even in the 70s and 80s, had a much harsher uh retreat uh, treatment of um yes. uh, churches under communism, uh, 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 particularly in in the Czech Republic uh, sorry, in Czechoslovakia. Um, uh, 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 and, and, and and this again is where he he uh, commits the most kind of extraordinary um. Uh, errors uh, because he says that this family that he he goes to interviews the Bender family um, were the only Catholics involved in the Charter 77 movement in Prague. This is nonsense. There was Father Thomas Halleck, um, uh, uh There was um, in terms of other Christians there was Jan uh, Potocka, uh, who was you know one of the founders of the, of the Charter 77. Movement in Czechoslovakia, um, and and later Cardinal Tomasek um, was very important in in you know the developments politically in the 1980s, Um and 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 yet none of this is 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 mentioned or, or acknowledged, and he just doesn't seem to be aware of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well let's let's try to give him a little bit of his due. I think we mm-hmm. kind of have the same opinion, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, a try here, okay? So I mean, he, and you even mentioned this earlier, Alex. That I mean, he he maybe has a point when he points to um uh sort of a kind of he calls them social justice warriors or the woke crowd or whatever so a kind of of left you know far left liberal uh that's advancing its agenda you know in in a militant way which maybe has a totalitarian it has an ideology that it's advancing in a militant way and you you know hear stuff about it you hear about cancel culture and i mean i haven't experienced it actually personally but You know it's on it's in the news cancel culture and and so on um and so he's suggesting that this um this left liberal ideology which is working its way into uh, corporate america and uh social media and the universities makes it uh, impossible or for for christians to be open about their faith uh because they'll lose their jobs or in some way suffer uh, severe backlash or if they if they don't go along with the left liberal ideology, so I don't know.
2: Um, what do you think, Joseph? I, I see this work as a as a continuation of his previous book, when he tries to find a, a, a way for the church to exist in in a pluralistic society, and and. Uh, by, by using uh, these so-called examples from Eastern Europe, uh, he's he's pointing out a particular particular uh, way. I uh, uh, I understand the situation is in the sense that uh, the Church finds herself in a in a totally new world. Uh, we are we are not power players. Uh, we were never in the United States as as the churches were the history of churches in in Eastern Europe. And, and uh, our voice is one voice amongst many. And, and, and we have to find our, our place in this, this new, new situation. Um, uh, the directives he gives, you know, uh, focusing on truth, uh, living in small communities, being consequential with our faith. I will be, I be poor principles. I am I, okay with it. I, I just don't like uh, the, the fact that... Uh, he undermines his argument by using uh, uh, this, this uh, not existing parallel between uh, the current situation in the United States and what uh, has happened in Eastern Europe. But um, the second half of the book, I am I, I'm okay with. I actually plan to plan to use it as a, in, a, in a Bible study. Uh-huh. He's, he's not saying anything new, uh, but but it's in modern English. well well, i mean so you make this point
0: i mean this is what i thought too is that you know is the problem totalitarianism or is the problem sort of secularization right i mean we're in an age we're clearly in an age where you know of increasing pluralism and secularization and this is this is a change in the way that christians are going to live in the world right and it's a challenge and it's a loss of influence and all of these things Uh, so it's a challenge for Christians that's the sort of challenge of secularization Uh, but that's not a that's a broad a very large sort of uh, cultural shift historical shift that can't be reduced it's hard to understand what's behind it but it can't be reduced to you know the fact that there are people on the left or the far left who are who are focusing on basically a couple of uh, you know Issues around sexuality, because that seems to be what gets under Dreyer's skin. I mean, that's just a very, just a mad analysis of what's going on. And you know, it's it's there there are challenges for Christians, but it's it's related to broader changes in our culture, and not because of this, you know, ideology. I I just say quickly, so I want to you know, because I, I work in a university, okay, and I think it's true that in universities and academia there is a, um, you know, the sort of a left liberal uh, worldview is is the dominant worldview so if you don't share the left liberal ideology or philosophy then you're in the minority right and if you're in the minority well it's harder to be in the minority than to be in the majority right because you know people the reason you're in a minority is because people don't agree with you right so if you express your views or whatever then people think you're wrong so i mean that's okay it's hard but that's the human condition i mean someone's going to be in the minority someone's going to be in the majority um and instead of sort of whining about the human condition, you just have to, to, to deal with it. Uh, you know, so maybe there are places where there's cancel culture and stuff. But I mean, and it's true that there is isn't this advancing of, of a kind of or not really advancing, but arguing for this left liberal agenda. But, you know, you don't have, if you don't agree with it. You know, that just means you're in the minority. You know, I, I if you look at me, I live a very traditional you know uh, he and most of dreher's things are focused on sex basically That seems the thing that the things that seem to bother him the homosexuality the gay marriage and he seems upset about transgender stuff well you know i live i have live in traditional marriage i got a wife i got kids uh I, i'm not was never divorced i didn't cohabitate before i got i mean i have the total traditional package or pretty close and you know i'm not in any no one at, at my university Who? oh well you, if you live in this traditional way you're supporting you know whatever it is patriarchy and and you know homophobia or whatever i mean nobody cares i can live this way there's you know there's no problem you do work at a church university i want what what's that do you work at a church university though it's a it's the an elca and it's you know yeah. it's a liberal uh, church so i mean that that's you know yeah, OK, it's a, there's a liberal dominant liberal. Not everybody is 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 a liberal, but that's the dominant philosophy. And, um, you know, what not on a daily basis, but you confront this kind of left liberal uh, frequently. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't agree with it, you just express your opinion, you know, or not, you know, you don't always have to express your opinion on everything because it doesn't really matter. But you know, in a totalitarian system, you would be hunting out all the all the people who disagreed with you, and like you know, eradicating them or something, right? Like no, nobody, you know, it's it, it, it just I just don't see it. I don't experience it. I, although I recognize that uh, you know there are these kinds of people. I you know, there, there might be in a minority, and I agree that Dreyer is sort of a culture warrior, and it's more the problem. Really, seems to be that you know he's losing the culture war. Right, and if we lose in the culture war, then that means we're living in totalitarianism But really what it is is that we're living in a change a period of change of secularization. We just have to figure out um, How to live in it, The
2: yeah. change is
1: uncomfortable yeah.
0: right? Especially when you're losing, you know, it's yeah. like if and, losing, and if, that's not fun.
2: And if uh, i'm sorry, yeah, go ahead if, if as christians we take upon ourselves this this uh, mentality of, of worrying uh, being cultural w- warriors then the response will be Similar, and I believe that this, we, we find ourselves in this exact situation. Especially the evangelical community in the U.S., we are we are we are having a war, but but we ourselves uh, decided that this is this is a situation when we are in a war. So those are those few who will respond uh, uh, to us from the other side. Other side, they will use the same kind of language. You understand what I try to say? Yes, I totally agree. So, so, so we, we have to find another other way to express our faith in this new situation that we find ourselves. That that we are in a pluralistic society. There are other voices that, than ours, and and uh, we we should not uh, uh, call call to arms those who are our brothers and sisters, but but uh, uh, with our example and with our teaching. To, to help them to live the, the normal Christian life that uh, others have lived in history b- before us. I believe that the situation that the, 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 the churches, the, the mainline churches lost after the Second World War in Eastern Europe uh, was, was a status quo in, in, in parentheses. That, that was not normal, what, what they have lost that they were so powerful, they, they owned so much. Uh, that, that was a parenthesis in history itself. And they are crying about it now. The other thing about Gerard that I, I don't like, that um, he is just enamored by, by um, Orban. Yeah. <laughs> um, do I remember correctly, Alex, that you were not allowed to, to attend that meeting
1: Yes, I was. I was in, in effect um, uh, the church, uh, uh, while trying to write an article for the Church Times. I was forced out of the conference on Christian persecution. Just
0: tell us, and uh, summarize quickly what that conference was. <laughs> well, <laughs> so for, the,
1: for the viewers of this, give us a summary of that. Um, well, it, it, it was a very strange experience um, uh, because um, uh, you know uh, there was some sort of. Um, uh, uh, I, I had very great difficulty getting in touch with the. Um, organizers to uh, you know request a press accreditation um eventually, it was the conference
0: on like christianity in europe or so yeah people, no, it was, it was, it was, the, so.
1: it was the, the international conference on christian persecution in december 2019 um, and uh, 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 um, uh, the uh, I, I managed to get into the conference with a with a with a with a pass um, and then uh, after um, about 40 minutes um, basically, um, I was I was forced out because an official came up and, and said, you know, basically I'd been given the pass by mistake, uh, and that I could only say if I promised not to um, report anything I saw or heard, including the um, uh, uh, plenary sessions that were being broadcast live on television. Um uh, which were uh, conditions of Christian liberty that I was un, uh, unwilling to accept. Uh, um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I left the conference. The, the, the joke amongst the foreign journalists in Budapest was that um, Orbán uh, uh, liked persecuted Christians so much that he decided to create one more. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, I, uh, but, but, but yeah, I mean, the... the uh, Dreher was at that conference, I believe, right? It was yeah, there. he was
2: there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Was he? Oh, I didn't realize that. But, yeah. Mm. And
2: he but said no yeah. Oh no he had, he had a meeting with Orban after that Orban invited uh, them uh, to, 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 to Buddha and he actually wrote in uh, American conservative uh, in his magazine about the meeting and he was just <laughs> overwhelmed by the love he received
0: right now i remember that you know and you know we think about hungary okay i don't know soft totalitarianism is but there's soft authoritarianism and if dreyer had talked to you know anybody in the church well not anybody because he would not the orban people but if he had talked to people in the churches including the established churches right he would have found that there's a lot more you know orban's much more uh controversial figure right i mean i can and he, you know, gray-haired, he's and I'm quoting someone that I I don't want to tell who they are because they're going to all in the America because they'll, uh, you know, suffer consequences. Well, I, I've had conversations with people in the churches, and I don't want to I wouldn't reveal their names because I don't want them to suffer consequences. Although they would never ask me not to tell, but I I know one, you know, way one it was described to me by one person who's not not just a you know a, a, a somewhat important person in the an institutional person in the churches in Hungary is that you got he said you got to think of this country like a a big spider web and there's a spider in the middle and anything that happens, the spider is Orban, the spider moves down. So if there's any moment of independence and including in a church, they send that, they send a spider and eats it. Right. So nothing happens. I mean, it all looks like it's there. It's got the the facade of independence, but there's a spider in the middle pulling the strings and any sort of resistance. That was the sort of image he used. And I, I you know, another person uh, told me, you know, the way that the churches work today in Hungary or the way that financing the churches work is basically on a patronage system, right? If you, if you, uh, you fall in line, uh, what's the expression? Hungary, Hungarian, um, what was the expression to fall out? Well, anyway, you fall out of line, uh, Kilo. you know, Kilo. Yeah, you don't ki short ball. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you, if you fall in line, you get a little money because it's all, it's not regularized. It's not routinized. It's all sort of based on contracts. But if you present any problems, well, then you're not going to get any money. So there's the money. The churches are dependent upon money that they get from the state. And, this, and, the, and the money is distributed in ways that is clearly tied to strings and not in a transparent or public way. So, I mean, you want to look where if that's the example of a flourishing Christianity. Uh, it's not that at all. Yeah. Well, if, if, and, if I may, and...
1: I, I can quote somebody on record, or, has, or I can refer to somebody who has spoken about this on record, and that, to my immense surprise, was Burchkai, the reformed bishop of Debrecen, mm. giving an interview in Modjo Hong, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, conservative, independent conservative newspaper, uh, in June, in which he raised significant concerns about the reformed church internalising um, the state's authoritarian culture, And that it had moved from just silence on political issues to not being able to have normal um, internal church debate um, around a number of pastoral and theological questions, uh, uh, even about the practice of modes for um, uh, celebrating communion during the lockdown, um, because now the church had um, internalized this this view that there could be only one line, um, even on things that were not um, a matter of controversy with the state.
2: And this is a situation that we in the U.S. should uh, pay attention to because uh, there are tendencies in our own con- in, in the U.S. Uh, r- along the same lines that uh, the, those who are in power and and the churches are uh, spiritual power when they call us uh, when the church is used for political purposes that is that is a bad, de- bad deal. So if there is a parallel between uh, Eastern Europe now and especially Orban, Hungary, and and the U.S. Uh, I would point it uh, that one. The, the
0: what? The alliance with politics? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which drives people away, and which only, and which sort of corrodes from within. Right, yes. You know, the other thing I thought about, you know, Dreher's always point. He he wants he points to these sort of uh, uh, Czech groups or Czechoslovak groups of resistance under communism. They're little they meet in groups, and you know, so it, the models he for, has for Christians are basically little models of resistance. You know, which I'm not sure that's why. Christians assemble together so they can plan their resistance to the maybe there is a sort of a side effect, but that's not the point. And he never, it's interesting to me that a lot of these sorts of examples he talks about the superficial faith of, of Christians today and this and, and meeting together. You know, it sounds a little bit like he doesn't seem to know it, but it sounds like pietism, right? And in the pietists say in Germany they complained about the superficiality of faith and they, you know, they formed groups or whatever they were called uh conventicles uh to come together and they you know you know intentional communities or whatever you want to call them and you know it had a lot of influence but it it, it, they didn't come together because they wanted to overturn the state they just came together because they wanted to deepen their faith or to be more faithful uh and it had consequences uh but it just seems to me so you know that's one way uh christians can exist in a secular or whatever in, in in a new situation but if the, what brings you together is the determination to resist, then you're not really, you're not coming together as a church.
2: He, he, with his first bu- uh, previous bu- book, uh, he kind of uh, gave us ideas about how to how to renew the church. The Benedict option is about yeah. about uh, living out our faith in a different way, so that the church would be reformed by it, like, like, uh, monastic orders, uh, affected the life of, of, of the church. In this one, uh, he, he opens up to, to uh, the, the effect of, of a renewed church life to a larger, larger sphere, larger sphere that, that is to, total society. Uh, I, I, be, I believe that, uh, there is, there is a point that has to be made, made about the first book that, uh, we have to find new ways of expressing our faith and, and new ways of living out our faith, maybe. But, but uh, not with the purpose of, uh, of uh, protesting what's going outside in the world, but but uh, to, to renew ourselves. That, that should be the purpose. So I, 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 I agree with that. But with this book, he goes too far. Uh, this warring mentality... And as you, as you said that, that 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 we are we are basically against the whole world outside there, so it's so uh, unevangelical, so yeah. so against scripture.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's so pessimistic and desperate.
2: That's and- it. That is the other. And, and in his reviews, he got a lot about that mm-hmm. about his pessimism, that he's a joyless, uh, a joyless writer.
1: Yeah. The the thing that struck me actually, um, you referenced the previous book. Um, mm-hmm. And, and as someone who spent uh three years uh training uh, for the Anglican priesthood in a seminary attached to a monastery um mm-hmm. I, I you know and I, I, I spent a lot of time reading the rule of Benedict because that was mm-hmm. the governing rule for the Anglican community that I was living alongside um I, I found it very strange that this book had nothing to say about um uh, uh religious orders under communism and um uh, uh, and about monastic life um uh, 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 and what's you know what was one of the first coercive actions of the um uh, uh, or one of the earliest coercive actions of the communist government against the churches in Hungary it was to dissolve um both uh most of the catholic religious houses and the the lutheran deaconess communities um and 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 um that, that you know um the way that um uh, religious uh, you, you know valued religious communities can be incredibly um subver- subversive um as well as being um uh, 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 rather wonderful places to spend time with um, doesn't come out in the book at all um mm-hmm. and I, I i found that quite strange mm-hmm.
2: because it has to do with spiritual formation uh and that is a whole other word not not uh not uh, fighting against uh Uh, other views outside that I don't agree with. There there is a place for spiritual formation and and we should think about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that uh, I think I'm going to draw this. I don't know. I didn't keep very good track of the time, but I think we're getting close to an hour and and no one will watch it if it's over an hour. But I thought it it was a pretty interesting. I I enjoyed the conversation um, very much and uh, uh, I hope that some people watch it when I post it on YouTube, and these are, I thought these are some um, some good insights that you had. So I'm, I'm glad to have had the opportunity to discuss it with you. I ought to say we were able to do it, you know, from all the way from Budapest to California. I'm in Texas, thanks to the um, wonders of modern technology, right, and uh, which we're going to share it on social media, which, of course, according to Dreher in this book, is one of the sources of Soft totalitarianism. So, we certainly don't want Big Brother to have to watch this uh, video, but hopefully, somebody will.